You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. There's a good chance that B2B marketers listening to this episode of the podcast are dealing with fewer resources these days in terms of people, budget, or tools. But instead of thinking about how to do more with less, times like these present an opportunity to reevaluate. Maybe some of those tactics that got comfortable and repeatable need a new look. This is a time to really reconsider your your strategy and your different focus areas. Um, What is actually going to move the needle right now? And it might not be what worked last year. Last year, it's probably not what worked last year. It's probably not worked the year before. So holding on to the tactics and what you've been doing, you know, the last quarter, the quarter before is not necessarily going to yield to a lot of success. That's Ting Ting Luo, Vice President of Marketing at Aurum, a sales tech company that uses AI to make calling as efficient as email. In this episode of the B2B Nation podcast, Ting Ting and I talk about her career journey from management consulting in one economic downturn to VP of marketing in another about building the marketing team at Orem from the ground up, and the challenges her team faces when marketing to prospects whose tech investments are under increasing scrutiny from executives. Welcome to B2B Nation. Ting Ting Luo, VP of Marketing at Orem. Welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a couple minutes, tell us who you are and what it is you do. Yes, thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, lead the marketing team at Orem. Uh, We are a B2B sales tech company. We, as a company, we really believe in the power of live conversations. So really conversations with your prospects. Uh, We believe that that is the best way to build relationships and build pipeline for your teams. And we help sales reps, whether it is that you do um, outbound phone conversations or you are lucky enough to enjoy an inbound pipeline, we, we, we help reps get on the phone much faster with their prospects at the end of the other line. It has probably been several months since I did a podcast recording mm. that didn't mention the economy, kind of right, right off the top, right? The economic downturn, the uncertainty, yeah. top of mind for everybody. We were talking before we started recording and you mentioned that you started your career in the 2008-2009 downturn, yeah. the Great Recession, whatever we want to call it. Uh, so you went through the pandemic, which was kind of a strange high for some, low for some, mm. 2008 recovery. And now you find yourself here. How does that kind of influence your yeah. perspective on things, right? Yeah, Um that's a really interesting question. Uh, like you mentioned, I, you know, I graduated from college uh, very much in depth of the recession. And I was working for a management consultancy at the time. They often do really, really well during the recession because many companies are trying to figure out how to restructure or how to really shift their strategy. What was really interesting in the like operating philosophy of many companies at the time is very much is efficiency was really important. You know, I think companies are much more hypothesis driven or very strategic in how they think about divvying up their resources. And over the last, I guess it's been like 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. um, We've seen such a strong 
bull market in the economy. And we're sort of, you know, we're, we're sort of now at the, uh, where we've come down in the cycle um, a little bit. So what's been really interesting is for me seeing how over the course of this business cycle, philosophy of operating, you know, change um, in different companies, companies I've been a part of, uh, our customers, our partners, that's been that's been super interesting. And I think as on being on the marketing side and working really closely with sales teams, um, it's so important to be mindful of the macro conditions that you're operating in, both you and your your audience, your customers, because that defines almost like the like the weather in the city you're in, you know, and, and I think it really changes the conversation. And it's important to be mindful of that. Is it easier, you think, for people to be mindful or at least have the information they need when they approach a customer? We're going to talk a little bit more about tools in a few minutes, but we've all got all this data and tools at our fingertips, right? And Mm. the conditions, the macro conditions, I think everybody knows you want to know what a company is doing, how the company is performing, what the prospect you're talking to is into, like, it's all there. Mm -hmm. And is that... Does it give us an advantage or does it not give us an advantage? What do you think? I, th- I think I think it absolutely gives you an advantage. And the advantage here is being able to empathize with and relate to whomever you're trying to connect with on the other end of the line, right? So, you know, in in marketing, we we communicate one to many in sales, you're communicating one-to-one, but at the end of the day, you're trying to build a relationship with someone. And in order to do that, it's important to know, you know, just where they're at and meet them where they're at, right? If your friend, like, for example, I'll give a personal example. It's like, if my friend just had a baby, uh, like last week, I am not going to ask you know, him or her for like a lot of favors because they're likely drowning in a lot of different like home tasks right now. So I think just being empathetic to uh, where your audience is just takes you a long way in being able to build um, build a credible and authentic connection. Every relationship that we're in, like you just gave the example of a friend, business relationship, like we all have needs. And I think one of the biggest shifts we've seen, I feel like I read about this every day, is, you know, the prospects we're trying to reach Mm -hmm. increasingly want to do things on their own. They want Mm self-service. They want self-research. They just, if they're going to connect with the vendor, it's that last, depending on who you listen to, 20, 25, 30% of the journey, right? So the relationships have changed because the needs and wants of the people involved in the relationships have changed. I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things you go back over the last 15 years that I see. Yeah. I think that um, I, I completely agree. And I, I think if you were to even like zoom out a little bit further, think about how much media there is now compared to 10 years ago. So like, now, you know, you have like all of the content marketing in the world. You have, you know, YouTube channels, you have like 
PDFs and reports, you have TikTok, you have like webinars from every single company that's like trying to teach you how to do something that you don't know how to before. So the availability of that information is so broad in comparison to what it is before. So of course, of course, people are much more empowered to um, do their own research. They're going to come in with a point of view, right? And they, even before everyone, even before any, you know, vendor is getting an opportunity to like pitch or communicate what it is that they do, um, your buyers are smarter than they've ever been. So they've been able to figure out, and, and, and I think it is, it is a, it's an important part of being the, um, being a buyer, like a software buyer at a company to figure out like, why, like, how does this fit into my company's needs right now? Like who is going to deploy this? Who's going to use it? Who's going to, what is success? Right. So, um, I think it's important that marketers meet their audience and meet their buyers where they're at. You know, if, if it is it, if they want to do their research and learn outside of that contact with you, like, let them do that. Just give them the tools to learn. And, and if it's the right fit, have them come to you. And it changes the dynamic, not only between the vendor and the customer, but it changes within vendors, the relationship between marketing and sales. Marketing is now handling more of that buyer's journey, right? Because they don't want to talk mm -hmm. to sales. So that dynamic has changed a lot. Sales used to be the gatekeeper, right? Um, the, you're not going to get pricing. You're not getting information unless you talk to me. Is We have had other episodes of the podcast mm -hmm. where that dynamic has come up because a lot of organizations, more legacy organizations led by sales, still in that mindset of sales makes everything happen. Uh, and it, it's a challenge for some organizations. I think, yeah, I think things are, things have certainly changed a lot. And um, the specific customer journey for um, each company depends on who your audience is. It depends on how complex the, the product is to learn about, right, and understand. It depends on how much heavy lifting there is on the part of either your sales team or you know, maybe your um, solutions engineering team, solutions consulting team to guide the buyer on before, um, before, you know, a customer can really be, can, can really make a, make a good decision and sign on. I think it depends on uh, all of these different factors, but the, I remember seeing this graphic a while ago that was like, you know, in the past, it was, it had like the top of the funnel is just marketing and the bottom of the funnel is, is sales. And you have this very linear sort of relationship. And then below that is like customer success. And I think what we are seeing more and more of is that the revenue team, there's so many more like interplays and, um, and, you know, I don't want to use the word omni-channel, but it's really like, there's so there's work kind of happening um, across different teams, all going towards the same prospect or customer, because for to them, they don't really care. They don't really care if they're talking to like, um, you know, a demand gen marketer or they're not, they don't care if they're talking to a salesperson. They care that their needs are being met, their, their needs of understanding, like what it is that you do, their needs of understanding, how do you even think about the broader problem altogether, their needs of making sure that, you know, their team is up and running with whatever they're buying. 
that's what they care about. They don't really care who specifically at the company they're talking to. So there's just a lot more interplay and collaboration that's required um, to, to, to meet that need. And, and I think, uh, I think beta marketing is the best, I'm biased, but it's, you know, sort of the best part of that, that stack because, you know, it is this more creative role where you get to have an, an impact on different parts of the funnel in a way more flexible way compared to some of our partners in sales or success. So I think we're very fortunate to be able to play that role. And anytime you see anybody try to visualize that buyer's journey, mm-hmm. the mistake they made is make in B2B is it often looks like one buyer when really it's six mm-hmm. journeys, seven journeys and touch in marketing while this one touches success. And yeah, you really, you can't draw it out in anything that's recognizable to anybody. And that's probably why nobody does it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think uh, you're, you're sort of seeding this idea also of um, there being a lot more, uh, a lot more stakeholders uh, in B2B uh, buying journeys now. I spoke with a customer of Orem's recently um, who shared that, you know, because of the macro conditions and because um, this company is being really thoughtful about spending and, um, you know, expenses generally, any tool or platform that's being brought on needs to have buy-in across the uh, the dif- different departments. So um, that also reshapes the, you know, we're at a, we're in a time now where customer journeys across the board have shifted a little bit, right? Because maybe in the past uh, you only needed to uh, persuade one buyer. Now that there's, now there's a bigger team involved and maybe there's even, maybe there's a more senior team and your CFO is likely um, going to be a part of that conversation. I was just going to say, I've seen more content out there about what, you know, how to talk to the CFO. What does the CFO care about? What's the approach to take to the CFO when you're trying to sell just about anything right now? Into yeah. Business? Yes. When you got to Orem, mm-hmm. you were marketing hire number one. You got to build your own team. What was that like? Yeah. Where'd you start? Uh, it feels like, um, it feels, both feels like a long time ago. And it also feels like yesterday. Um, so I, I started at Orem in uh, September 21. Um, so a little bit more than, you know, a year and a half ago. Uh, we were about 30 odd people at the time. I was the first marketer uh, and I was joining a team that had, you know, a, we we have a, a strong sales team. And uh, I think for a really long time, our sales team was doing the job of marketing, uh, but not really being able to do that at scale. Um, so when I came on, the you know first mandate was really to figure out what is our marketing strategy, like, and and then building a team around that. So the first, it's 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 certainly a really challenging uh, role to be the first marketer. The you know the challenge is that um, 
there's so much to do from, you know, writing copy to like figuring out what your like foundational stack is, you know, or when like some something is broken between like Google and your website, you need to figure out how to fix that. So um, I think the uh, I spent the first year of that um, of that journey really thinking a lot about um, really just building the, the team from scratch. So we now have a team of eight. Um, really, really happy with the team that's been built. And my job has shifted a lot from, you know, a lot of these little bits and pieces because uh, someone needs to do that to thinking about how do I get my team to collaborate really effectively both together and um, across other parts of Orem. So I think the, t- the the job has definitely become a lot more fun for me since joining as a, the first marketer. But for the brave, brave few who um, like, who want to take on that challenge, uh, I also think it's one of the most rewarding ones that you can, because you really do see how, you know, the, the work that you put in had really significant impact on the teams that you're working with, on the company that you're building. Um, so that's also a really good feeling. You mentioned the challenge. Challenges and goals are two things that I've had a lot of conversations about with marketers here on the podcast and elsewhere, especially over the last few months. I think number one challenge for everybody seems to be budget Mm. Mm -hmm. on tools, on media, on people, Mm. every resource you can imagine. Uh, Do you fall into that camp? Would you agree with that? Or do you have other challenges that you and your team are trying to overcome? Yeah, um, that's certainly a challenge I've, you know, heard a lot about. Uh, We talked about, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, a different macroeconomic environment. And um, I think smart companies should be operating differently, should be thinking about expenses, budgets, um, how to grow, you know, how to grow the team, where to staff, how to staff, et cetera. Um, one of the things that I think people tend to, um, forget is that, you know, be it like $20,000, $50,000, whatever the budget is, the biggest resource you have is actually your time much more so than the actual actual dollar amounts. So I, I think in moments like now, you know, Every marketer, uh, really, you know, I, I think it's really it's really marketing leaders um, because typically marketing leaders are the ones that are setting the strategy. Uh, this is a time to really reconsider your your strategy and your different focus areas. Um, what is actually going to move the needle right now? And it might not be what worked last year last year. It's probably not what worked last year. It's probably not worked the year before. So holding on to the tactics and what you've been doing, you know, the last quarter, the quarter before is not necessarily going to yield to a lot of success. So I think, you know, the way that I think about facing this challenge of budget 
that you're asking about is really taking a step back and taking some inventory of like, where are we? Like, what it, where is the business? Is it, um, you know, is it an awareness problem? Is it a like pipeline acceleration problem? Is it, you know, for a lot of people, it's a retention problem. And how do we, how do we look at the resources that we have at hand, be it time or money and be creative about the solutions and, um, and, uh, and, and tackle those and don't be afraid to cut stuff. That's not working anymore. Right. There's no reason to keep putting effort towards things that are starting to have diminishing returns. And that's, that's not a failure. It's, it's actually part of being really smart. Yeah. I think, was it Warren Buffett who said he could buy anything in the world except more time? Kind of sums up the value of our time, right? Really wise (laughs) word. There's a question we ask just about everybody on B2B Nation. And that is, what is your favorite tool? And all right, let's preface this with a couple of things. Yeah. You did share with me that you're not a very toolsy marketer. So we're not probably going to hear the HubSpot, Salesforce, popular MarTech apps at a Ting Ting. We ask people not to say their phone. Because none of us can okay. do anything without our phones. Okay. So that's off the hook. And then anything that you're marketing can't be your favorite tool. That's just biased. So we're just not going to let that happen. So what is your favorite tool? My favorite tool? Um, I'm going to give you two two answers, like a very practical one and a more fun one. So uh, Orem is a um, fully remote team. So I have uh, a team of eight members working across three or four time zones. Actually, you know, I'd say a lot of my team is on the East Coast, which means, uh, you know, between them, we only overlap for a few hours a day. One of our biggest challenges as a team is communicating both in real time and also in a really nuanced way. So um, the tool that I've relied on a lot more recently is called Loom. So you you can record a short short video sort of walking through your screen. And I find that it's really valuable when I'm trying to give feedback about a piece of work or sometimes it's a design, you know, and um, just writing out a message is not quite, it's it's not quite like rich enough to capture everything I'm trying to. Exactly. It's one dimensional. So through video and being able to walk through what you're seeing and 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 focus on those things, it's just a way more um effective way. You know, you, you see the person's body language, you're able to convey a tone, or if it's if it's doubt or if it's like a, a lot of emphasis, right? So I I find that to be a uh, a really valuable tool. That's my boring answer. The fun one, um, you know, because because this tool um, I wish existed, and I hope we get closer to this um, one day. It's teleportation machine. You know, we talk a little bit about you and I talked a little bit about. Um, infrastructure and how different countries have built up their infrastructure for for speed. I really wish, you know, I grew up in China and also on the East Coast um, in and near New York. I'm a big fan of sustainable public transportation systems that have like a lower, um, like a lower cost to the broader system, uh, but doesn't compromise like efficiency. So I know where uh, that's 
right now, um, uh, physically impossible, but something imaginary that I wish existed is uh, a teleportation machine that makes it easier to, you know, change our environment much more easily. We really did talk about rail infrastructure and mass transit before we started hitting record. You never know what you're going to hear on B2B Nation, or in this case, maybe not here, but that was <laughs> that was a real discussion that we had before we hit record. Ting Ting Luo of Orum, thanks for joining us here on B2B Nation. Thanks so much, Mike. It was a pleasure uh, having this chat. Thanks again to Ting Ting Luo for joining us on this episode of the B2B Nation podcast. Thanks too to Amy Dunn and Kimberly Hydebrader from the technology advice team. If you found this episode helpful or insightful, subscribe to B2B Nation on Apple, Google, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Mnemonics in the Guild wrote our theme song. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.